The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host, Giles Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, This is Jill. Speaking, welcome. Welcome back to uh, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. I'm happy that you're able to listen today, either live or on demand. Thank you again. So today, the the title that I chose, the theme that I chose for the show is um, How Can We Debunk Our Unconscious Self-Imposed Limitations? this is a very interesting topic and a very um, challenging one, I mean, uh, including for all of us. And uh, I would like to share a little later on um, an experience that I'm having now in the past eight or nine days. But um, what I've been, you know, just to give you a glimpse before I get into the gist uh, later on during the show, is that the universe works in very wonderful ways in a sense because initially I was planning to choose to choose to to deal to address this topic of self-imposed limitations uh, about two weeks ago on April 2nd and uh, then I got a question from my friend Gene uh, about the thoughts we are, are we only our thoughts in a sense and that's because of that I thought it was an important question and the timing was good as well so uh, that's the question I addressed in uh, in my show on, on April 2nd. And then it made sense to talk about emotions, you know, thoughts on one side and then emotion on the second side. And that's what I addressed in my show last week on April 9th. And then I'm here, April 16th, and I'm talking, um, I'm going to talk about self-imposed limitations. And I've had an experience again um, in, uh, in the past eight or nine days about... Um, Something to do with, you know, something, questions that I have in my life. But I think the timing is just so, I wouldn't even want to use the word perfect, but the the timing is very interesting. Uh, at this point, I think we're going beyond what I would call synchronicities. So, so I, one of the first things I would like to say when it comes to these limitations is to to trust, to trust the universe and to send something out to the universe. Um, I like the word tickle. So I, I think it's important to tickle the universe and, and send out, you know, what is it that you want to question in your life? What is it, what is the area where you, where you want to make progress in your life? And, uh, and tickle the universe with that question, with that intention that you, that you muster within, in a sense, that you, that you, cook and simmer within. I think it's important to have that kind of attitude. 
And once you uh, once you do that, I mean, sooner or later, you're going to get a response from the universe, from, from whatever. You know, the universe could be a person. It could be something happening outside on the street. I mean, you never know. But I think it's important again that you send out uh, some kind of a some kind of a message, some kind of a an intention out out to the universe or out to whatever your your prophets are or, or God, I guess. But it's important that you, again, communicate um, from within. Some people do it in meditation. Some people write things down. I think everything is valid. But you have to, to send out the message again. So that's, um, that's what I wanted to say as a foreword, in a sense, into the show. What I wanted to get back into is... Um, a bit about last week's show, I was talking about emotions. Uh, at the same time, I was still having a conversation with my, ch- my, my friend, um, Jean Mavrelis. Uh, she's near Chicago, and we've been an ongoing conversation. She, she listens to the show, and, and then she had more questions for me, and then more and more questions. And so we had a discussion, and, and um, the interesting thing I, I came to realize is that for her, you know, we have one single life. And that's pretty much it, and that's that's fine. And it, it's a belief, and some people believe that, other people don't believe that. But um, she said she would be hopeful that she could see things the way I see things, in a sense, um, looking at life, uh, life as being eternal from a from a spiritual point of view, and obviously spanning many different uh, lives, life with a capital L, uh, spanning uh, many different. Um, human lives in a sense. And it's true that it's um, the way we think about life itself, uh, you know, is a, is a worldview. And um, I just wanted to share a small anecdote about this, this concept of reincarnation. I think it, it deserves a full, um, a full show, if not two. But, um, and I will do that later when I think the time is, is ripe, when the universe is, is telling me to do this. But, um, it's very interesting because there's one very specific instant um, after I became a Buddhist in New York City uh, in 1987. Um, when I became a Buddhist, I had to receive some sort of a, a parchment, uh, a mandala. They call it uh, a gohonzon. And then I received it at the time, but I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, I received it because I trusted the, the guy who introduced me to the practice, um, a, a fellow from Burkina Faso. Um, and I went back home. I was there just visiting in New York in August of 1987. I went back home and with this kind of mandala and didn't quite know what to do. And I was, you know, I'm coming from a culture which is fairly rational and into logic. And, and, and before you start doing something so far different, so far apart from, from what you're being taught from day one, you know, you want to learn about things. And so I went to a bookstore, I think it was in the fall of 1987, and I, I, um, I was looking at books, uh, books about Buddhism. I ended up pick him, picking up one book, I remember a book about Buddhism. Um, there was a nice um, lotus flower on the cover. And it's interesting because at that moment, I could still remember that. I think precisely what attracted me in Buddhism was the idea of reincarnation, so, so within me already, there, were, there was this idea that, yes, reincarnation makes, makes spiritual sense. And this is a kind of experience that, um, that has happened, you know, 
quite a few times for me, not too too many times, but there, this is what I call a knowing. You know something, and um, I could sense for sure that it wasn't coming from my mind. It's not something that I read in a book. It's something that, in a sense, was there, was there, and if it came from somewhere, it came from somewhere deep down, in a sense. And um, I've had, again, that, that inkling, that insight um, a few times. And it's very interesting. Um, it's very interesting because you seem to be bypassing the mind. And, um, and that's very intriguing because I talked about the mind and thoughts a lot uh, in the past two shows, thoughts and emotions. And yes, you know, and yet, um, there, there seems to be a different way to, a different way to know and and it's one of the things I would like to to explore. Um, not right away today, but I guess later on. I think it's interesting how we can uh, know things. Um, I guess from consciousness. That's the word also that popped up last week uh, in the show. And um, that has to do with consciousness. Consciousness being uh, being aware. And there's two more things I noticed also this week, uh, essentially one t- talking and um, about emotions, the topic from last week. We went to we went swimming yesterday afternoon, and after that we go, usually go to Dunkin' Donuts. There's a Dunkin' Donuts next to the gym. <laughs> I don't know if it's the ideal uh, snack, but um, that's the way it goes. And we went there with some friends. It was Sunday afternoon. There was only one guy at the counter, and ahead of us, there was a, a woman who had a very long, um, I don't know what, a long list of what she wanted to buy. Um, so many things, and she was pulling different credit cards or, or Dunkin' Donuts cards. I don't know what was going on. And um, and she took her about 15, 20 minutes. And there was a young woman right in front of us and behind this woman. And... And she obviously she you know she didn't like it, which I can understand because again it was a long wait. But at some point it like she kind of exploded and she didn't say anything, but she left the store and, and I could tell that she was very unhappy. And I looked at her, she was walking away, and I could see, I could still see, you know, from the distance, I could still see her emotion on her face. And her face was a bit reddish, and and I could tell that, you know, um, she wasn't happy, and I would say she, she was hangry, I guess. That's my assumption. But um, the way she walked, her body language, and, uh, and the expression on her face. And, um, and obviously, she didn't have the patience to wait, and that's just fine. The, the reflection I had is because of that emotion, the emotion most likely anger, she was, in other words, she was suffering. And um, you know, it made me react, you know. Yes, this is suffering. Um, maybe not the kind of suffering we would think of in terms of physical suffering or suffering from a mental illness. But it's like something in our mind, the messages she received after waiting maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, uh, which is a long time, I agree. But, you know, the message is, is about suffering. It's about it's taking too long. It's about um, this is not acceptable. And again, I try, I try to reflect on that with my own my own spelunking. And one of the the other anecdote that came to mind is, uh, in a sense, a very similar instance. Uh, it was uh, a sharing uh, a lecture by the Dalai Lama a few years back, 
and, and he was sharing, for whatever reason, he was sharing, um, I don't know the whole context in there, but the story of a man, a man who was beating up a dog with a stick. And um, it wasn't a very pleasant thing to to look at or to hear. And, and most of the people, you know, were, were feeling sorry for the dog because the dog was being uh, beaten up. And I don't know if the dog was, um, I don't know, Rowling or, or barking or whatever, but the dog was in a, in a bad shape in a sense. And the Dalai Lama reflected, he said, you know, you think about the dog and the dog, yes, the dog is suffering because he's been, uh, he's been abused and beaten up. And this is physical suffering in a sense, but you don't think about the guy who beat up the dog. And this guy is obviously suffering from something as well. No, I, we didn't know what the reason why the, the man was um, after the dog, but obviously possibly out of anger or any kind of emotions. Are. And again, you know, it's a question uh, when we do this kind of spelunking of, um, of um, you know, exercising uh, our mind in a sense, our own, I'm talking about the mind again, but... Um, you know, how can we look at things? And the more we look at things and the more we look at the causes of, of things that happen to us, I think the more we're able to to observe first without the emotion, you know, what makes me suffering in a sense? Uh, why is this thought coming to mind? What is the cause? And, and that's also what I looked at last week in terms of release. I think I mentioned... Um, the technique from my friend um, Giovanni, and I think it was called L I E R. And uh, I think there was a something to do with observing what was going on, and and trying to detach yourself from the emotion, and, and eventually release it. And, and and again, I go back to this um, the example of this young woman yesterday at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, instead of focusing on the on the on the guy at the counter, who may have been a bit slow. I don't know. Again, uh, I wasn't really paying attention. We had so much um, noise and activity around us with young kids. But instead of you know being absorbed or engulfed by the emotion itself, by the anger, try to make that backing out of it and and look at the way the mind works the way the mind uh, pushes us uh, into, a, into a certain direction so that eventually um, the, mind, uh, the mind, the word that comes to mind <laughs> is the mind wins in a sense. You know, either mind produces a strong emotion that makes us react or act in a certain way, especially a very unpleasant way. Um, I believe the mind has its things its own way, its own, you know, its own uh, quote-unquote victory. And so I think um, I think it's a very good exercise to to do. Uh, it's really easier to do when you see other people um, getting getting into their emotions or quote unquote suffering from their emotions. Uh, it's easier to see how things happen. But uh, I would say try to do this with your own mind and try to put some distance, if you can, uh, between the emotion itself or between the arising of the emotion and the way you would like to react or the way your mind would like you to react. And, and perhaps at the beginning, um, there will be just only a couple milliseconds. Um, but 
maybe that's enough. It's just a glimpse into how the mind works. And if you can insert, you know, um, some kind of a stop there uh, in between the, in this gap, you know, in terms of um, how my mind works. And this is the emotion that my mind wants me to experience. And maybe in that, in that millisecond uh, where you are present and paying attention to how the mind works, uh, you will say, oh, if I, what about if I wait a bit more and see where this mind is going to, leave me, to lead me? And um, again, that's the kind of a spelunking that, um, that came to mind because of what we discussed last week in terms of emotions um, and because of this, uh, you know, this, this technique that um, Giovanni gave us in terms of observing the mind and eventually being able to release the emotions. I think it's, it's very important to be able to... Um, to identify uh, what goes on, and the more, again, the more we we distance ourselves, um, uh, the easier it is uh, for us. So, thank you very much. The Seventh Wave Channel. On the Voice America Network. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Welcome back, and thank you very much for, for listening to uh, Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. So right before the break, I was, um, I was mentioning a little uh, spelunking exercise that, that came to mind yesterday when I was observing a person uh, being uh, becoming angry. And I think it's good. Um, again, it's good that we 
if we can, to take the time to to stop and and, and observe and see what goes on in uh, in our little uh, how would I call it um, mind, but um, it seems almost like a machine to me at times. So what I wanted to to what I wanted to talk about now is more is more along the the lines of those uh, self limitations and. Um, you know, the big challenge there, uh, when I was thinking about the topic, I've been, again, thinking about the topic for a number of days, is that those self-limitations, are most of the time, they are unconscious. There's a nice, um, there's a nice image that I posted um, on Facebook um, right by my invitation. It's coming from my colleague, Lisa Weisingberry. She does a show as well, and uh, her blog is called Wising Frequencies, in case you're interested. And uh, what she quotes, what she says, um, is as follows. It says, um, if you believe there are limits to what you perceive as your visible reality, then you will work within them. If you believe there are no limits to what you see or can't see, then you will move your perception into the true nature of what is available to you. A simple change in perception switches your body chemistry and vibration. You have the power of the multiverse within your own heart and mind. What you believe is what you live. What you do, what do you do choose to be live, to be dash live. What do you choose to be dash live? And I got that picture maybe three or four weeks ago from her on one of her posts, and I liked it. I think it's, I'm very grateful because she um, eventually led me to the topic that I'm addressing today. But again, I thought to myself, you know, if you believe there are limits, and if you don't see those limits, you know, how can you become aware of those limits? And, um, you know, the first thing I would say, it's that I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's like, but then again, going back to what I said at the very beginning of the show, you know, you have your intentions and you have your message to the universe, providing you want to send a message to the universe. And that might work wonder. You know, I mentioned the timing of the show, which is just what it's supposed to be, me talking about limitations today and not two weeks ago. And the reason I'm saying this is because in between about... I think it was last Tuesday, Tuesday of last week, so about eight, nine days ago, I received a message from um, from a person I, I used to work with. Her name is uh, Aruna, and uh, she's an, uh, what, what she calls herself an awakening coach. She become awakened in, um, in what is called the Advaita, Advaita tradition, uh, following some gurus or teachers in India. One of them was Maharshi, Ramana Maharshi, uh, who passed a long time ago. And then more recently, there was one called Papaji. And Papaji is the guru who allowed um, um, this person, Aruna, to awaken, to awake. Uh, I think she awoken, um, I would say, a good, a good 20 or 30 years ago. The time doesn't really matter, but she's been into this kind of... Um, of service to people for a long time. And so I worked with her um, 
I work with her for about not very long, maybe six to eight weeks at the end of 2013 and going into 2014. And, um, and that was an um, interesting relationship. Now, a few things happened, especially during our last session. I don't want to go into details in here because it's not the purpose of, of this show. But she took me to a place which found it very, very... Um, there was no I in the place, no I, I am, no I in the place where she took me. And I could see um, an eagle gliding, I think a very strong vision. But this is not about what I experienced back then. Uh, I would rather talk about the email she sent me. Uh, I regularly informed her about my shows. And once a week, I sent an announcement to a few people. And she received it and she said, uh, I'm going to read what she said. I'm glad you have found something meaningful to do. But as your awakening coach, I have to be honest with you. I'm disappointed that you are still a seeker and that your work is about seeking. And I was very perplexed, you know, what is she trying to say here? I was very, very intrigued, very puzzled. And the, one of the reasons I was puzzled is because the, the day before I was preparing for the next show when I was writing a, a press release about my friend Scott Smith. Uh, who is coming on next week on the show. And I described myself as a, as a seeker of the path. And I thought to myself, is Aruna able to read my thoughts? This was kind of amazing. And um, I had not mentioned anything in that email that I sent her about, uh, about being a seeker of the path, but obviously she could read, read something in me that... Um, that was about seeking the path. And I don't think there's anything wrong in terms of seeking the path. Um, whatever it means to people. And so the next day, uh, I went into meditation. I had about 15 minutes to myself uh, at the gym the next day. The day after I received um, Aruna's email. And, um, and I went down you know within i could tell i was it was a good um, a good time no discussion the, the, the room where i was was very dark i've had some spiritual experiences in that room at the gym and, and it came down on me that i was also a spiritual teacher and um whatever the level of my spiritual teaching it doesn't really matter um and then i responded to her i mentioned that and she said Pretty much, you know, this is coming from your ego. And, um, and perhaps the ego is setting you a, a trap. Uh, she said it takes many years of deepening and integrating a spiritual awakening before mastery is a possibility. The awakening realization is I don't exist and I never did. I know nothing. Grace flows through an egoless form. It does not come from the mind. And I'm still trying to understand what she means. You know, I'm not, I'm learning like just about anybody else. But what I found was very interesting is, is the timing, the timing of, of, of messages. And even more, you know, I would say even more coincidental or even more synchronistic is the fact that last week during the show, I mentioned the work by, by my friend Giovanni Dinsman in Australia. 
and he has a blog. He has a blog where the article is about uh, releasing uh, negative emotions. And we have been in touch through uh, Facebook messages for the past week or so. And he said he was about to write about his to write about his journey, his spiritual journey, which started very, very early on. I think at the age of twelve or thirteen. And um, and yesterday night he sent me a link and he said um, my journey, what I wanted to write, is available. Uh, can you please have a look? And I looked at it. It's a very long document, about six fifty pages. So I browsed for it, and. Um, one thing that obviously attracted me is um, is um, is awakening experience. Interestingly enough, also it's very um, again coincidental or synchronicity. But he's been following in the past few years, in the past I would say five to ten years, he's been following the same tradition as Aruna, the Avaida. Um, sorry, uh, yes, Avadaita, yes. And he's been working with a, a guru or a teacher called Muji. And the picture that I showed last week for my invitation is from Muji. And there was a quote by him saying that, um, develop the habit of thinking of yourself as consciousness, not as the body or a person. I repeat, develop the habit of thinking of yourself as consciousness, not as the body or a person. And I find very interesting, I'm talking to two people that are following the same Advaita's tradition. One is with Moji, I've been talking about Moji last week. And um, and it's all about, in my case, about what does uh, seeking the path mean? And I read the experience, part of the experience from Giovanni, where he talks about his awakening. And there was one paragraph that really caught my attention because it talks about the exact same thing. It talks about the seeker, the seeker on the path. And that's what he says. So here I quote. Then I saw an experience that to seek is to perpetuate ignorance. I'm going to repeat that. Then I saw an experience that to seek is to perpetuate ignorance. The seeker was the function that summarized the whole way that ego was existing in me. And I saw that to rise as an, as an individual from the limitless being that I am and identify as a person or a seeker was ignorance. What was before intimately considered to be myself was now seen to be an adjunct, something extra, artificial, and untrue. And... Um, Again, I don't want, quite know what it means, and it, it came it came upon me in a sense. It, it landed on my lap um, yesterday evening, so it's a bit too soon for me to try to make sense of that. But what I'm very amazed about is this kind of web, you know, this kind of web of connections, this web of meaning that are coming um, into me, and, and and from two different angles that are so close to each other. One person is based in Australia, one is based in Japan. And um, and they are more or less both saying the same thing, and um, you know it's very interesting, and that's what I'm saying in terms of those self limitations. Once you send out some sort of a message, some sort of um, a sign saying I'm ready, I want to learn about this, 
this is what is interesting. This is what is of interest of me at the moment. And, and you have to say that with your whole being in a sense. You know, you can do research on the internet. You can read books. Uh, you can talk to people. But I think your, your whole being has to be into those kind of, you know, breaking the wall, the wall of the limitations, especially if you don't know what the limitation is all about. And, you know, my, my question since last week, you know, if I'm not a seeker of the path, and if I'm not a spiritual uh, teacher, uh, what am I? And, I? and I think I kind of started to realize that, um, again, this is sort of an ego, ego trick or ego trap. That um, what I was thinking just this morning, so it's still very fresh. It's still uh, almost, I would say, fresh out of the oven. Um, you know, from very early on in our childhood, we are taught about what to do, what are we going to do when we grow up? You know, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a plumber, I want to be a nurse, I want to be a dietitian. And it's all about, it's all about the functions that we play in life. It's all about what are we going to be doing when we grow up? And, and guess what? We go to school and that's in school we learn, you know, everything we need to learn in order to be able to do something in the future. So all our um, education, yeah, it's, a, it's about education, but all our uh, conditioning in a sense, I prefer that word because it's really what society and our parents and our families um, do to us. All, all of our conditioning is geared toward um, having us do something in the future and having us occupy a function in society. And... and um, and I realized it's a, it's a small realization, but, um, you know, being a seeker on the path or being a spiritual teacher is just about the same. It's about doing something. And it, I don't think it's much, there is much there in terms of, of being, you know, and, and what are we in a sense? What are we, I think, is a much more fundamental, um, a much more spiritual question. And, um, you know, what are we if we are not if we are not a parent, if we are not a son, if we are not a daughter, if we are not a spouse, you know, there's so many ways we identify ourselves that are ego ingrained. And I think, it's, um, again, we have to get ourselves out of these um, molds, in a sense, out of these imprints, imprints than that society, um, um, society do to us, society does to us. And it's not um it's not an easy thing to do because we have to you know we have to to live day by day and we most likely we have to work we have to earn a living we have to feed our families and we have to many 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 functions to play in society in our families and and um and elsewhere so I think it's um it's not an easy um Detachment, that's the word that comes to mind. You know, we have to detach ourselves from all the, the doing uh, functions that we play in society, in our families, in our institutions. And the message, again, that we receive from, from day one is that it is important for us to do something and to occupy such and such position. And that's why there's more prestige, you know, in some positions than others, because that's the way society and that's the way our education values um, 
different kind of job. You know, lawyers tend to make a lot of money in the U.S. when possibly in other countries they don't make as much money. And it's not as prestigious to be a lawyer. And again, it's all a mind thing. I mean, the societies we live in, um, they are pretty, pretty, pretty old and they are mind-built societies. They are pretty rational in their... Um, in their, in, their, in their aspect, in their perspective. And um, I think we have to break um, through that. Uh, so I think it's going to take, um, it's gonna take a, a while. So thank you. I will see you right after the, the second break. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Welcome back and thank you very much for listening. So right before the break, I was talking about um, this experience I had with um, with my friend Aruna and my friend, also my friend Giovanni, um, about the seeker of the path. So perhaps it will, um, you know, make you question what you are doing um, on the path. Uh, are, are we seeking, in a sense? So that's one of my questions. I'm certainly not uh, not done with. Uh, with the questioning, and I think it's it's something which is perpetual. You know, it's something we need to to keep in front of us uh, at all times. I mean, not at all times, but again, 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 it's like we have to invest our whole our whole being into into the question. You know, what if I'm not a seeker of the path? What is it that I am? Um, and that's a big question. What if I am if I am con- consciousness, which um, 
which is what Moji, you know, um, um, encourage us to see. What what does that mean? Uh, and um, and the other question naturally would be, what is consciousness? You know, and um, the first thing that comes to mind is like a, it's more like a flow. You know, a flow of energy coming coming through and and um, energizing our body, our minds, our vital functions. And so, um, a lot of things to, a lot of things to to think about, a lot of things to to explore. And um, I wanted to give you the latest in terms of my own um, my own spelunking. And obviously, spelunking takes um, you know takes effort, takes um, takes time, takes courage sometimes because we have to go through some uh, difficult um, obstacles. I mean, emotions usually are very unpleasant. And it's not always um, it's not always a joy to go through them and to analyze them. I guess one more thing also I wanted to mention about this kind of um, everything coming together in a web of you know in a web sorry in a web of connection, the web of of meaningful um, happenings, is that possibly the first time I had uh, about these 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 limitations of my own is um, about two weeks ago I had a dream. A very interesting dream about uh, soccer. This is not the first one. I think I had dreams about soccer about three or four times in the past month. And this one was more specifically about an English team called Arsenal in, in London. It's a, it's a good uh, London team. They play, obviously, in the Premier League. Uh, they are second at the moment. And uh, it's one of my favorite teams in England. So I like to, you know, to to keep up with them and see what, what they are doing. And in the dream that I had, it was very, um, a very, left a very strong imprint on me that morning when I woke up. In the dream, I was seeing myself um, at a game. A game, Arsenal was playing at home in their stadium in London and they were playing against another team. I couldn't tell what the team won, won, was. And, um, and Arsenal won three to nothing. And the next day, I was still in London and I was kind of invited to their offices, the, the soccer club's uh, offices. And I was there by myself, and I could also feel the presence of a child, a young child. And at some point, we were looking up, and I was able to look through um, a glass ceiling. And further up, um, I was seeing, um, we were, I was, or we were seeing a hill, something that was going up. Uh, it wasn't very clear. But um, I was very intrigued by this notion of glass ceiling. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, again, the mind, I have to interpret the dream for what it means. It's only my dream and it's not meaningful to anyone else, I believe. And so in my own interpretation, I was you know, happy that I was able to see through the ceiling. And, um, and yes, so maybe I have some, I don't know, some ability, some power there to, to, look, to see through ceilings. And then I discussed this dream with my, my energy coach, you know, Scott Smith, who is coming on board next week. And, um, and he said, you know, I believe the glass ceiling stands for your limitations, your own limitations, your self-imposed limitations. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty interesting. You know, I can see through something. It's a glass thing. And yet, you know, it seems like a limitation. 
Um, possibly it's a glass cage. But that got me thinking, you know, that got me thinking at some level. You know, it's a question that I internalized. Um, and, and possibly the email that I received from Aruna a few days later was in response to my, uh, my questioning. It's not like I went into meditation and deep, uh, did a, a deep meditation about the meaning of the glass ceiling. But I, I was curious, you know, and I, and I think curiosity is, um, is an asset on, on the path. It's an asset when you go to spelunking. And um, again, it, it's not easy, but, you know, when you explore a cave, literally speaking, you know, there's areas you don't know what you're going to find. But if you decide not to go there because it looks too dark or it feels too cold, uh, then you might miss out on something, you know, which is um, incredible or something which is very valuable to, for you on your, on your path. So um, curiosity, I think I mentioned that in the, in the write-up about my, my show, curiosity is, is very important. It's, um, it's a friend. It's a friend on the path to be curious. So since I was talking about um, my friend Scott Smith, um, I wanted to again say that he's coming onto the show next week. Uh, we'll just uh, briefly introduce him. He, is, uh, he will introduce himself, but he's, I consider him uh, what I would call an energy coach, which means he works with energy. Um, and energy by essence, it's something that vibrates within and around us. And uh, but it's something we cannot really touch. So maybe as well, energy could be considered uh, as consciousness. And I've been I've been working with him for quite a bit of time now since the beginning of July 2014. And um, interestingly, the reason I was connected with him also is very you know talk about synchronicity or, or the universe responding to to something. Um, at the time, I wanted to buy um, a cube, um, a sacred geometry shape called a Metatron cube. It's a square, and this, within the square, there's two triangles, and, and the cube uh, rotates on, um, on a pedestal, on a base. And there's lights at the bottom, so it's very, um, it's very attractive. And I use that cube, uh, I've been using that cube since uh, June of last year to, to meditate and, and um, there's some energy coming out of the cube, maybe some consciousness, you know, we don't, we don't know. But it obviously uh, facilitates um, things, you know, things uh, I experienced that back in, uh, in the retreat in October. So I wanted to buy the cube. I was interested. And uh, the, the person who sells the, the agent that was uh, on the other on the other end, responding to my email, said I can put you in touch with someone who uses those shapes, those um, sacred geometry um, shapes on a regular basis. And she said his name is Scott Smith. So she put me in touch and Scott said, why don't we, uh, you know, talk, have a talk and see, look at the reasons or why is it that you want to buy this, um, this cube and what it can do for you. And we had a conversation for about uh, 30 or 40 minutes. It was sometime back in June. And I remember then because something very special happened. I think it was that day um, with him. I've never been able to see colors when I do my meditations. When I close my eyes, I tend to see a lot of things, not a lot of things, but I tend to see shapes of things moving. 
but the background tends to be dark. And when I spoke with, with Scott for the first time, I started seeing a color. And a color that I've seen uh, three or four times since pretty consistently. It's a, the color is turquoise. Uh, it could be teal. I don't know. Someone mentioned teal to me, but I think it looks more a bit lighter, like a, a, a blue turquoise. And um, I've seen that color that was very special uh, because, I've, again, I've never been able to see colors before. And my interpretation, again, I'm using my mind, is that it had something to do with Scott's energy. And uh, I believe it did. And it happened a few more times with him. And the shape also looked very similar. Every time I could see that, uh, that color turquoise, like where two domes, in a sense, like a two, yeah, a dome, two domes uh, next to each other and uh, pretty high up, in a sense. And um, that gave me a good indication about, about you know, Scott's um, energetic vibration, in a sense. And so we started working for about uh, one session a week for a good four or five months. And uh, we've been doing a lot of clearing, a lot of clearing, a lot of cleansing. And um, I can tell it's beneficial. And yet, you know, if I were to try to analyze what goes on in a session, I'm not able to do that. Um, I can tell there's energy coming in, but in, in what shape, in what form, in what, um, I would say, in what noise, uh, I can't tell. Um, I can't, it's, it's kind of a... A very interesting process. And, um, and so we've been doing this and, um, and working on the chakras also. And uh, it's been very, very beneficial. When some people talk to me, they can, they can tell there is a difference. They can tell there's a difference in my, my chakras. Uh, I'll, you know, there's more light coming out of them. And um, possibly my aura. Nobody mentioned my aura yet but uh, i believe also uh, my aura has been affected the more you know the more digging and the more the more cleansing you do obviously there's a, a repercussion uh, a consequence within your whole um different bodies and there was also one one very um specific experience that i wanted to mention to you that may have happened about um 2 months ago and um I was doing a session again, and it was all about uh, clearing or cleansing. And when these sessions start, usually there's a bit of time we discuss things. Uh, Scott tells me about, you know, what goes on, uh, how he sees things for me, or we have questions. He can tell also about my family. So he's asking those kind of questions. But it's more like, um, it's not like chit-chatting. It's important stuff, but it's, it's not the session itself. And it takes about um, 20 to 30 minutes. And then, um, then I prepare myself, which means I tend to connect my, my chakras up to a certain number. And then, uh, then we go into the session. And oftentimes, you know, he asks me, what do you want to work on today? And, um, and oftentimes, I don't have a clue. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is clearing and cleansing. And usually he has messages or he can read things for me and he's the one who decides and uh, decides what to do. So what happened about two months ago, I was um, very intrigued by what happened. He said, let's go around all your chakras 
and tell me how they feel to you. You know, do you feel any any resistance there? Do you feel any debris? Uh, anything you need to clear? So we went for all the seven chakras, and I couldn't sense I couldn't sense much. So I was I was being honest. I don't sense much. So he said, "Yes, you're right. Things are pretty clear, and we don't need to do any clearing with them." And then we went into my physical body, and then things were fine. Then we went into my emotional body, and things were fine again. And then we went into my mental body. And I couldn't really feel something, but um, somehow I had, you know, I had a, some sort of an insight. You know, something was telling me that perhaps I need to do something with this uh, mental body that feels something stuck. And uh, my sort of my intuition was right. He said, yes. There's still something lingering in, in, the, in this body, in this mental body, and something we need to take care of. And he said it has to do with judgment. And I was, I thought to myself, it's right on. You know, I've been doing in this show, I've been talking about judgment so much, and I've been obje- observing my judging pattern so much that uh, there may be some, some leftovers there. And um, that was very interesting. You know, it's in a sense that um, the kind of work we do matches what I observe of me in my environment. Um, and when I started the show at the early, I mean, early January, I could tell that I was very much still in, in judging mode. And I tend to be much less uh, into this kind of judging patterns and, and trying to assess people's whatever position or judging what they are saying or doing. And so... Um, so I'm very grateful for for what he's been, you know, helping me to do, clearing so much um, out of my system. I would say, and I would uh, I would also invite you to to attend or listen to the show because during the third segment, he um, will do a short meditation, uh, a short cleansing slash clearing meditation. So, if you want to benefit from that, um, please join us. Uh, the show is taking place next week on the twenty third of. Um, April, uh, still the same time, 3 p.m. Um, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 12 noon Pacific time, or 9 p.m. Uh, Paris or Brussels time. So thank you very much. I wish you a good week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.